welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, we have real football to talk about, finally. After Yay! Like we've said it a bunch of times, we were talking about the same storylines for literally like 10 months as we were waiting for Mario Kisser's <laughs> game. Um, True. Yeah, it was almost pretty close to, you know, we're, we're almost 10 months to the to Tuesday was 10 months to the day since he was hired. So uh, it's been a, a long time, a lot of waiting, and we finally saw it sort of on Saturday. Um, that's kind of always how these, when you start off against a team like Bethune-Cookman, you, you started, but it's kind of like a preseason game. Um, hard to know yeah. what we saw was real and what was, um, you know, the product of playing an overmatched team. But at the same time, I mean, Miami pretty much did like as well as, you know, they did everything. They won 70 to 13 and scored touchdowns on 10 of 11 drives. And the only drive they didn't score a touchdown on was a, a fumble with the backup center um, misplaying the snap. Uh, defense probably right. a little bit more places to nitpick there. But but again, you hold a team to 13 points, you get three takeaways. Um, basically, like they did all they could to, to acquit themselves well in game one yeah i agree it's very but like you said it's really really tough to tell and um i think i i wrote in the advance i whatever the score was the last time they played i don't know or 63 nothing or something like that right i said they ended up with what a five and seven record that year so yeah um i mean beating up on an fcs team doesn't tell you anything but if you were close against well, an FCS team. It kind of tells you that maybe they're exactly. They, exactly. I was just going to say that they had a passing grade. It's a pass fail. You can't. You can't. Um, we're we're not handing out a, an A grade for a game like that, but they passed certainly. Um, and that's great. what we kind of been talking about. Is going to be kind of the basis of this episode. Uh, we're going to go through a couple different topics. Um, I call it what we saw versus what we learned because not everything <laughs> you see in a game against a team like Bethune Cookman is is. It's all real, obviously, but it's not really real. Um, and obviously, there were some major positives for Miami, some some uh, new faces, uh, really uh, impressive debuts for a bunch of the transfer defensive linemen and a couple of the freshmen, too, uh, in that reserve late game role. Um, a Some some breakout performances uh, for guys in new roles, new positions, um, and you know, the, the biggest thing above all was probably the, the running game kind of, it was probably the single, it was obviously the weakness of the offense last year. Miami had a great offense, but uh, averaged, I think 3.9 yards per carry, the outside the top 100 in the nation in yards per carry. Um, And then, I mean, they ran through Bethune Cookman as they could, but at the same time, we know that Josh Gaddis, that's, that's his MO basically. He's got to, put together a good run game so while they're obviously i don't know what did they run for yards per carry probably over like seven or eight right in that game like that's not gonna happen seven. All- yeah 7.3 yeah that's not gonna happen all year long but again we saw those signs of what the promise of josh gaddis was come to fruition uh so i guess i'll, I'll put a a number on it can miami go from being outside the top 100 as a rushing team to like a top 50 unit, which I looked up last year, that would have been the average 4.5 yards per carry across a full season. You're going to be right around the top 50. So yes, yes. You, you buy that I, jump is coming. Yeah. I, 
I say affirmative for that one. Now, now I, I don't healthy. know when they're getting Don Cheney back. Right, they got to stay healthy. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a long time, if at all. I shouldn't say if at all, because I don't, really don't know, but I've heard he's going to be out a long time at Don Cheney Jr. Mm-hmm. What a shame. So, I you know, I thought he was really good. And Jalen Knighton, I mean, supposedly he's back. I bet you anything, they also keep him yeah. on some kind of count, snap count they or whatever. But test, test drive, basically, before the Texas A&M game. Yeah, but I, and they've got to be, I, gosh, I hope he doesn't have really tight hamstrings. You know, I just, I, I just, uh, yeah, he's got it. He's got to stay healthy because I'm not sure about Don Chaney. So, I mean, they remember or not remember, they used uh, how many walk-on receivers? Lucius Stanley, who really, I guess. Yeah. Three walk-on running backs. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, running backs, Lucius, Terrell Walden, and De- Devon Perry. Um and it's Ter- Terrell, whose dad was a cane, and I covered Devon Perry. Each scored a touchdown, which is really nice and it impressive. Looks good. And we we saw Devon yeah. Perry in the spring game. We talked about it. He actually looked good in that game. So, yeah, yeah. it's kind of I, the tell both ways, right? It's like one might maybe Miami's got just a good scheme that's going to let even walk-ons be good, but at the same time, it's also like if those guys were doing that against Bethune Cookman, like what, how much should we really learn? And again, I think those guys are probably all pretty good. Um, Lucius Stanley was very good at UAB. Like you said, Devon Perry has really flashed and was a, I I assume a scholarship player at Richmond. I don't know for sure. Um, And Terrell Walden, a freshman walk on who I think was like pretty good high school player. So um, he averaged 8.2 yards a carry, which, but I mean that UM uh, like that Franklin, um, who we did not talk to this week, mm-hmm. um, who I swear every time he touches the ball, it's like, wow, he's go fat. Like, uh, I, I, here comes the beef. He's just a kind of a thick guy. And, um, he, he averaged 8.7 yards a carry. And it's just kind of like last year too. He had right. two touchdowns. I just, he's pretty, um, dependable uh, so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because he's had because he had a lot of his yards last year were against Central Connecticut State, um, but then we saw him get a ro- bigger role at the end of the year um, after Cheney got hurt and Cam got hurt and they were down to pretty much just like him and Knighton, right? Um, and he was pretty good, like whenever they had to put him in there. So, and he's obviously like you said, Knighton sounds like he's going to play Saturday, but like you said, I can't imagine he's going to get more than seven or eight carries probably um right. like there's still going to be opportunities for thad and it's even when a, they get to texas a&m there's going to be opportunities for them yeah just depend i mean what you know texas a&m will be the, the real test uh, obviously and like these guys did not lose it's amazing they only lucia stanley lost two yards devon perry lost five yards uh, oh well forget tyler okay and that's it i mean nobody else lost that didn't lose any but but it's yeah, that, it's that starting offensive line is bullying Bethune Cookman. But again, oh, yeah, exactly. All the, it's I I think there's obviously talent in the room. I thought Henry Parrish, again, even against Bethune Cookman, looked looked good. Um, we know that Jalen Knighton has a lot of talent, and Thad just keeps coming on, like you said, every time he's in there. Like he hasn't given us a reason to doubt him yet. Um, and you combine exactly. that with we know Josh Gaddis does and um, right. You know, the just the, the split of the way they're going to run the ball and throw it. I mean, having Tyler on the team, like you can't stack the box against them because they've got one of the best quarterbacks. So, yeah, they. I, I think. Right. I don't think like 
top 50 rushing offense is, is too much to ask. Um, maybe they could honestly end up even being higher because, again, that's the kind of track record Josh Gaddis has. He really gets the most out of his running backs. Uh, all right, next topic I had on here uh, is the wide receivers. So Xavier Restrepo did everything we expected, pretty much. He was the number one guy. Um, interestingly, only one other res- wide receiver had multiple targets, and that was Michael Redding III. Um, didn't – I don't think he started, right? No, did not start. Uh, but those top, mm-hmm. like, five, six, seven guys all had pretty even snap count numbers. Um, he scores a touchdown. Um, interestingly, Keyshawn Smith, no targets in the game. So my question for you is, is Michael Redding that number two receiver? I Which is what we kind of saw on I, Not that it I, did himself very much. I, yeah, I, 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 need, I need more. I need to see more. I, I'm not – I mean, they could be, but I, I'm not. I know Xavier right now is number one. He's number one, and we know, know that for sure. sure. I, yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm looking at the stats now, right? Reading, yeah, like she had two catches. Latson, I don't think I, – I, Henry Parrish is a running back, and he, yeah. he's good. He can catch. For short, I – it could be, but I, I want to see um, – Keyshawn Smith, yeah. I want to see because I really think he's talented. Also, I think Michael Redding is talented too. I like to see Keyshawn. I'm not. Will he be number two wide receiver? I'm not sure. It's. I think it's either going to be him or maybe Keyshawn. I think those are his top two, and it's impossible. I mean, the the larger point of this is that still no one has separated themselves to be that outside. Right. Like we know, Restrepo is the slot. He's going to probably lead the team in targets this year. Oh, um, for sure, he's going to lead the team in targets. He's going to lead the team in catches. Um, right. But, that I mean, it's been the story of the preseason is trying to find that outside guy, and it kind of remains unanswered. Um, the interesting part, you mentioned Keyshawn as the other option there. Like I said, no targets for him. Um, but Miami also kept it pretty vanilla on offense in terms of the passing game. A lot of dump-offs. Of, you know, what I think Parrish had four catches. Um Obviously, a lot of throws over the middle to uh, Restrepo. I think he only Tyler only really took one deep shot to Restrepo, and that is that's Keyshawn's game. Is he is even when he was playing a smaller role last exactly. year, or um, you know he was the deep threat. He is always the guy who's going to stretch the field. So um, as we you you talked to Tyler on uh, Tuesday and basically said we want to try to get Keyshawn some looks on Saturday. Um, I would guess they're going to take a deep shot to him at some point um, because that's a really important threat to this offense. Like I said, obviously teams can't stack the box because you have Tyler Van Dyke, but that only really works if Tyler is actually like going to chuck it down the field, which we know he loves to do. We just haven't seen it yet. Obviously it was just Bethune Cookman. Um, But I, I I kind of, I still think he's the safest bet to be the number two guy um and Redding although Redding I, I thought you know his touchdown catch was pretty impressive going up kind of a bad throw by Tyler honestly um and he went up into right. traffic and, and pulled it out of there he's got a role certainly but uh he's not the number one guy or the number two guy yet that that number two battle to me remains wide open I agree but the good news is and I wrote a story about this is uh there were no drops yeah no yeah, drops, and I've seen a lot of the wide receivers didn't really do that much, but ultimately, like, you can't be too disappointed with them. 
No, I mean, I, I, we, we've watched all these college football games and people are dropping catches left and right. Yeah. Right. So good for them. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that carries over, right? Like that is the drops are not, I mean, they have a little bit to do with Definitely. the opponent. They're scared to get hit by a safety over the middle or whatever, but mm-hmm. for the most part, powerful. that's just like a, a self-inflicted error that the Miami avoided in a game where that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. Uh, Definitely. Another one on the off, last one on the offense, and we'll switch over to defense. Uh, John Campbell Jr., will he be one of Miami's five offensive linemen that they go with? Obviously, teams always say, oh, we'll rotate, but teams want to have a five. Based on Saturday, uh, just looking at like PFF grades, I think he was Miami's second highest graded offensive lineman behind Inez Cooper, who obviously was playing mostly garbage time, backup, freshman backup tackle. Um, and then Mario on Wednesday basically says if we could play six linemen, we would love to because we feel good about that. So, yeah, he, John Campbell, he, you, do you think ultimately by the end of the year, John Campbell is one of this team's like five starting offensive linemen? God, I'm sorry. I, I have to say it depends on Zion's health. Right, that's true. I, 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 I have, I have, I, if, if, if Zion is as good as everybody says he's good, uh, I, then, and if, uh, you know, it could be. I, I, if not, I, wow. The real question is, I mean, it's I think they're going to play him and, and they're going to play him. Mario's going to play him. Mario's, you know what? Mario doesn't care who's a first round, whatever. He's just going to want to play the kid that he thinks yeah. is best. Right. I, yeah. I mean, that was so the, 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 the theory, cause it hasn't come. I mean, I think it's the obvious theory is that at some point Campbell could move to right tackle. Right. And you move scape into to guard. If you think your five best yes. line. Or Nelson Campbell. That that's that. Too. By or, the way, David could definitely happen because yeah. I think Scape is best at guard, right? That's what everybody says. Historically, know. he's been best there. Um, but you know, Campbell. There was a lot of hype around him in the preseason, kind of Mario-driven, really. Like every he took every chance he could to kind of hype him up as um, a potential like fixture for them. And like we said, Zion Nelson did not play in the date in the opener. Sounds like he's going to play Saturday again. I'm guessing a little bit of a test drive before Texas A&M, let him get his feet wet uh, as he's coming back from knee surgery. So Campbell was, was great, I guess on, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't pretend to be an offensive line expert, but by all accounts was very, very good on Saturday and based off the hype in the preseason and knowing that Scaife is a very capable guard and knowing that that right guard spot kind of, you know, no disrespect to justice Ola was shown, but it's always been the question mark spot on the line, just because we know how good rivers is. We know how good. Oh yeah. And Ja'Kai Clark is the center, like unquestionably Um, there, there's still that, that open door for Campbell. And I think if he plays the way he did Saturday again, next week, then Miami's going to have a, I think a pretty, pretty tough, situation to figure out a tech a good situation to have to work through with texas a&m but um you know obviously like we keep saying that's going to be the test um that could also be the first game where they've got campbell at right tackle like that would not surprise me at all yeah me neither and that and the thing is just i I hate to bring up injuries but yeah especially last year 
yeah i mean people are always getting injured you know so i if miami if if stays healthy on the offensive line i i actually think they're gonna be really good yeah i i just do and if they have enough yeah you know, some of these guys coming in the young guys that mario said are really good i i it's kind of fun because they were so bad a few years ago yeah. when they were young true freshmen so yeah yeah it'll be uh you know it, team coaches always say they want to rotate offensive linemen i feel like you don't ever actually see it as much as coaches talk about it but they no. do have a, a situation where you could see it a little bit you know especially like you think of how oh. strong a guy like justice ola shown and logan sangapolu are like they could have a role as short yarded like maybe they come in in some like short shorter yardage situations where and logan is hurt isn't he a little yeah, he did not he play in the opener soft uh, tissue thing i mean tissue. and also david that it depends how gassed they are you know how especially those big old linemen i don't i agree with you i don't if they can stay in there and they're in great shape they like to keep them in there and then yeah. every now and then take them out you know because if you've noticed once offensive lineman, once like there's a sack or whatever, it happens again. And then it get, it's just, everything falls apart. Yeah. So. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, let's pivot over to the defense now, uh, starting with... uh, one of the breakout stars of week one for Miami and one of those newcomers. That's Akeem Mesidor, uh, who Miami made one of their co-defensive players of the game for Saturday, along with linebacker Corey Flagg. Uh, Mesidor was um, – I, I think Mario, though, did say when he said he was our best defensive player Saturday. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. He had the, the deflection at the line of scrimmage uh, that led to Gilbert Frierson's pick six. Um, he played both inside – and outside on the defensive line and was good in both roles. Um, he had a sack, a uh, couple pressures, four tackles. Um, so Tackle for if, he loss, was, yeah. if he was the best player Saturday for Miami, do you think he's the best player on this defensive line? Or, or, sorry, on this yes. defense as a whole. <laughs> on the defensive line, yeah. I, yeah, I think uh, – uh, no, I, you know, you know I'm, I'm a James Williams fan. Yeah, me too. I, uh, but – could be, but uh, right now I'm going with James Williams. He's James Williams. Although, boy, wouldn't it be great if they were both playmakers like that? I mean, yeah, James, you're always expecting to do something fun. Yeah, had an interception obviously Saturday. Um, I, I yeah. honestly don't remember a whole lot else that he did. Obviously, like they, it's not like Bethune Cookman was like pushing the ball down the field in the passing game. So the safeties 
don't have a right. whole lot to do in those situations, but yeah, to me, yeah, James three, Williams is still three tackles. the, the guy it. on this defense. But I'll say, Keem Mesidor, I uh, a lot about what made him good Saturday is a lot of the same type of stuff that I like about James Williams. That's the versatility, right? You saw him. He's going to be really valuable, I think, um, in the run game, uh, playing the edge there, setting the edge. Obviously, he's a guy who's a nose tackle at uh, West Virginia at point, so he's got really good size. Um, and then he can do, you know, and he'll be disruptive up the middle, like you know, like they did with um, was it Gerald Willis? Remember they would always put him sometimes, or even Greg Rousseau, they would sometimes put them at defensive yeah. tackle on third down. So he's going to be that guy for Miami who plays a whole bunch of different spots. Um, but to me, it's still James Williams. And, and James know, Williams is going to play some linebacker. Right. So that's what I was, that was what I was going to say here, that interception he had, he was the linebacker on that play. They, they right. had, I think five defensive backs on the field. It was third and eight. I want to say third, six, seven, eight, third and long ish. Um, and that's, <laughs> Kevin Steele said that's what they're going to do on those situations. They're going to put James Williams in the box. Um, and, you know, he picks off a slant sitting in the middle of the field um, because he's got, I mean, you look at him and you think if he was 20 pounds heavier, he'd look like a first round pick as an outside linebacker. And as it stands, he's going to maybe be a first round pick as a, a safety. So he's got that versatile skill set that I think. And if we think linebacker is a potential weakness, he helps you cover a lot of those issues up, I think, if he can. Definitely. Uh, definitely. definitely. Yeah. And I, I, and I think, you know, in some ways he's similar to Akeem Mesidor as far as their, their like excitement level of playing. I think Akeem's really intense and really yeah. into it. I, I think he's really like a God cliche student of the game. I think he's, uh, and, and James is really, into it also so i could yeah they're both and i think they're going to be some um some other guys too that are on the on the excuse me defensive line yeah i mean we saw Leonard taylor we talked about it all spring like i'm not or all preseason i'm not worried that we haven't heard a lot about him he gets to start there defensive tackle as a tackle for loss early on um got hurt although it sounds like he's all good for saturday but so he didn't play as many snaps as some other guys because he left early but yeah, and they've got they got guys up front like that. The, the hype seems justified about the defensive line. Again, the Thune Cookman, blah, 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 but the hype seems justified. And Cam Kitchens also. I know he's not on the line, but I yeah. mean, there's the defense. Even though the offense kind of really made everybody happy, <laughs> the defense will. They'll hopefully they're going to get better. Well, this <laughs> is a good stuff. good pivot to another topic I had here, and that was a question of can this team be like an elite takeaway team obviously that was the hallmark of the best mark rick manny diaz teams was you know the early turnover what i think they led the nation in takeaways that first turnover chain year or, or way up there um yes, kind of vanished toward the end um oh my god last year i think there were like not 11? like 11 yeah it was like less than one a game i think yeah it uh, was Obviously, three against Bethune Cookman. Like they're not going to average three a game. That would be like historically good. But like, can they get? Do you think? Do you think this team can get back to what? Obviously, turnovers or takeaways can be so lucky and, and so fluky. But I don't. know. Do you think this team could like let's have like twenty takeaways this year or eighteen? Yeah, days? I think one and a half a game basically is. I'm going to be uh, optimistic and say yes. 
What, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I it's a lot of the stuff we just talked about, right? They've got they got some playmakers on that side. That would, I mean, you think of those the 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 uh, team that went to the ACC championship where they led the nation in, in takeaways or way up there. Like they had playmakers, right? They had they had guys on the defensive line like Gerald Willis. They had obviously the line that was kind of Shaq and Pinkney and all those guys in their prime. Um, and Jaquan and Redwine in the second year, Michael Jackson, right? They, they, like that team had playmakers. Yeah. And this team is feels like it has playmakers. Obviously, James Williams, like we said, Mesidor made plays. Gilbert Frierson, like kind of a playmaker, right? He's just like he's always in the mix. Um, the, and having good safeties, I think, contributes he, a he lot is. to ha- creating takeaways, right? Yes, he and Gilbert is always in the mix. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think they will. This is after that 70, 13 win. I, know, I, yeah. I say yes. But I, I yes. think those, I think having good safeties goes a long way in yep. takeaway creation, right? That is, you know, the mm-hmm. two, you know, arguably the best guy on that. The, the great Manny Diaz defenses was Jaquan Johnson. Right. And he was causing yeah. havoc and they've got, three NFL safeties on this team. And we saw two of them had interceptions on uh, Saturday and Avante Williams had one of the best interceptions of the year last year, right? Late in the year. So mm-hmm. those guys are playmakers. And like you said, they got guys up front who can cause havoc too in the backfield, which obviously goes a long way to creating it too. All right. Last one, a special teams one. Keyshawn Smith, as you wrote on Tuesday, Leads the nation in average kick return yards after one week. Uh, is he one of the best kick returners in the nation? Oh, I'm not going to say yes on that. Yeah, it's too early. Yeah, it's too early. He did that. I, I, he, he did, did against, against Cookman. Yeah. Cookman. I, 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 I can't say yes. He does seem like the best return guy they've had in a long time. Yeah, because he because he had 180 something yards. Well, no return. one's done that against bad teams lately, right? Like it, I know, and he had a would be touchdown, except he's. I'm sure they're working on that. You know, how not to step out of bounds. Well, I think the ref was out of position there, right? Wasn't that the what we decided? The ref was in the, standing in the wrong spot. He had to get out of his way. But well, yeah, I I I think he's I think he's good. I love the way he catches it with no fear. Um, of course, I asked him jokingly actually i was serious i wasn't joking but he made a joke out of it if he'd if he ever considered returning punts and he's like well i'll do whatever the coaches want me i'll do but no way (laughs) i i do not want to return punts i said why he said oh my god they're like in your face i mean they're you know forget it but uh you know like like mario cristobal said you can't you can't take a kickoff and start looking around and stutter stepping. And right. this guy, that's what I like about him. Yeah. Yeah. He got the ball and boom. And he's he got the straight line speed, right? Like, yes. You know, the last great returner I would say Miami had was probably Jeff Thomas. Right. And he was really better as a punt returner. Cause he was that shifty guy. Right. He would get, get like he would. Yes. Catch the ball and take his you know, punts. You kind of want to take your time. You take your time. You wait till that hole develops and then you go, um, Kick return, like, I don't know, your goal is to get out to the 30-yard line basically every time. And if you get more than that, then great. And he's just catches it and runs straight ahead, and that's what he's good at. And what a difference that makes. Wow. So. Yeah, I mean, as Mario said, like he he quoted the Bill Parcells 
a hundred yards of field position is a touchdown basically. And Keyshawn, what did, what did he average? He had 180 total kick return yards. Is that right? He, he had, he had like 61 point something. Yeah. On three returns. Right. So it was like, yes. 180 three yards. Returns. I mean, that's, yep. that's a, that's a touchdown there. Basically, obviously the one that that's amazing. could have led to a touchdown, that long one, uh, that is actually the one drive they didn't score a touchdown on, but, um, I, mean, I know, I know. Basically, he should have generated seven points for them with that return because when you start at the eight, you're, you're supposed to score. So, no, uh, I know it's kind of funny though. But yeah, I think he's he's like again, they haven't had a great. But kick they're not going to kick David. They're in a while, and he looks like he can be really good. They're not going to kick to him anymore. That might be true too. This team is not going to kick to him. Okay, so yeah. Xavier was the other one, right? Yeah, I don't I want to him to get him. hurt. What? Did he have any returns? I don't remember. I, I don't think, think he so. had a punt return. I yeah, think well, he, he had punt returns. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, he, Keyshawn was the only one that had, had kickoffs. Kick three kickoffs. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think but that's. I hate a, a the pretty... idea of Xavier getting hurt. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a little risky to have him, I think, on punt return. You, the Dolphins are having the same kind of debate right now because they say Tyree Kill is going to be their main punt returner. And everyone's like, are you sure about Woo! that? And Mike McDaniel's like, you can get hurt. Uh, you could drop a knife on your foot and get hurt. Like, you, you know, you can't. I, be- I kind of agree with that because I I know that the old school canes definitely, definitely in 2001 and all, they played their best guys on special teams. Yeah, I, I, I in college, I'm very pro doing that uh-huh. partially because like, you know, it's like you said, but play your best guys wherever. But at the same time, like, you know, if Keyshawn Smith can get drafted two years from now because a team takes him in the seventh round and they're like, we like that he's a pretty good receiver, but he's also a really good kick returner. Like you want to be, you want to let him showcase what he's good at in college. I think um, more, you know, in the NFL guys are, are getting paid already. Like I, I think it, uh, well, it I, helps everyone. I just think special teams is very important. And you know, Mar- and you know Mario feels that way. Mario? Yeah, like he's got he's exactly that kind of guy who's like special. he's old school. Yeah, exactly. He definitely feels that way. Yeah. yeah. And good special teams overall. Uh Andres Borgalis, 10 touchbacks. Um the didn't miss any kicks, <laughs> 10 of 10 on extra points. So uh I know. Um yeah, a, a positive day for the special teams, except Lou Headley, who uh didn't get to do anything <laughs> but hold. Lou Headley might be didn't mess, didn't mess up any snaps, any holes. Sitting around this year. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we can wrap things up there. Um, anything, any quick thoughts on Southern Miss? Frank Gore Jr. coming to town? Should be kind of fun. I think he'll get a pretty nice ovation from the Miami fans. Definitely. I, I'm sure Frankie Sr. will be there. I'm sure. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that'll be. And everybody's going to be let it. Can't we go on the field, please? <laughs> so they're not letting us on the field, but yeah, that should be really fun. Yeah, so, and he's a, he's fun to watch, um, and a good like a legitimately very good college player. Um, hundred eighty plus rushing yards, I think, on Saturday. So yep, he's the guy May to watch seven. on that defense, which is it's kind of a fun little wrinkle to this um, game that could potentially be another blowout, like it was Saturday. I'm, I'm expecting that, but. Um, I think Southern Miss can, they're, they're an interesting offense where they, they run it a lot. They don't, 
they've had some a lot of quarterback injuries over the last couple of years and and it's unlocked frank a little bit as a uh as, a, as an interesting college yeah. and i think the receivers only had four did they, they have four catches five four passes. Touches? i want to say they completed five passes on saturday you sure i think frank threw one too but maybe not. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think he. I the court, the no, starting actually, quarterback was four for eight, and I think Frank was like one for four. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Uh, glad to have football back. Noon game will have our, our day done early, so that that's always a nice little perk. We'll see how the how the heat in the crowd is out there after. I thought a pretty good showing for for Bethune Cookman for the first game. Very good. Yeah, very good showing for all yeah. those people making fun of UM, whatever, that they didn't fill the stadium. They, they're never going to fill the stadium. <laughs> I, they rarely, except for FSU. And yeah. uh, But this, but David, let's be honest. Let's just say it now. No one's, I, I, this is terrible. God, forgive me for saying this, but I don't think anybody's coming to this game. I don't. I just don't. I, I think it's, maybe I'll be wrong. I don't yeah, know. we'll see. And I would guess, you know, those noon games in, in Miami are never, yeah. never fun to sit out there for. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. You can follow Susan on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Uh, check out all her coverage from this week leading into Miami Southern Miss. And uh, when we talk next week, we'll be previewing Miami, Texas A&M, which uh, I'm, by the way, I was looking at the schedule. I think it's going to be college game day. It is think so i mean it's not official yet but there's not a like another marquee game that week so i wouldn't be surprised um you can follow me on twitter at db wilson too um also covering miami i'll have a little story on frank gore jr going up on friday a little bit after you guys uh listen to this probably or maybe it's already probably up already up by the time you guys are listening to this um but anyway uh thanks as always for listening and we will talk to you guys next week 